Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kurt Damon. All right, everybody, it's Ben. I'm back with another Edamame episode. So today's episode is uh, something I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Kirk and I have hinted at this at various points uh, throughout the podcast, but uh, whenever the topic of law in movies comes up, and uh, not necessarily just in you know, sci-fi, fantasy, sort of traditional uh, nerd genres, but uh, really uh, lawyer movies in general, I, we often get asked, what is, what is your favorite lawyer movie, or what is the best or most realistic uh, lawyer movie? And my answer is always the same, uh, My Cousin Vinny. And that's the movie I want to talk about today. So this one's a little bit of a departure from our usual subject matter. And if you just don't care, then feel free to skip this one and you won't miss out on anything. But I wanted to talk a little bit about that film, uh, why why I like it so much, um, even though it's kind of a silly movie, uh, and why it is, uh, in my view, one of the most realistic lawyer movies uh, ever made. So if you haven't seen it, I'll give you a brief uh, plot synopsis. It stars Ralph Macchio, The Karate Kid, as Bill Gambini who is traveling through the American South on his way back to college. With his uh, roommate or college friend, Sam, uh, they're going through uh, uh, Alabama, a very, very rural part of Alabama, and uh, they pull over into a little town to stop and get something to eat, maybe get some gas. Uh, while they're there, uh, Ralph Macchio's character, Bill, uh, grabs a can of tuna and sticks it in his pocket, meaning to pay for it later. He's got a big handful of groceries, forgets to pay for it, uh, as they're driving away from the store, they're pulled over by the police. What they don't know is that after they left the store, the clerk of the store was murdered, and the police are following them because they were seen leaving the scene shortly before this happened. But the way that the interrogation goes down, the police don't really explain what the charges are. They just say, do you know what you're here for? And uh, Bill Gambini says, yeah, I know, it was stupid, thinking they're talking about the can of tuna. And so he kind of admits that he does it. There's a miscommunication, and they are booked and arraigned for uh, the murder of the clerk. So they make their phone call, and uh, Bill finds out that uh, Ralph Macchio's character learns from his mother that he has a cousin, uh, Vincent Longuardia Gambini, who uh, passed the bar recently and could represent them for free. His friend Sam kind of wants to go with uh, the public defender. So what you get is a fish-out-of-water story. Uh, Vincent Gambini comes down from New York to Alabama with his girlfriend, uh, Mona Lisa. You know, hilarity ensues as they try to get by in uh, rural Alabama, and uh, and so the plot proceeds. And we, you know, we find out that Vincent only recently passed the bar exam has never tried a murder trial in his life, is really kind of out of his depth here, but also doesn't want to let his cousin down. And the uh, the tension of the story is Vincent both learning how to practice law and do it properly, uh, as well as, you know, the actual drama of the murder trial uh, and getting uh, getting Bill and Sam, maybe it's Stan, it's Sam or Stan, I forget with, uh, it's Rothstein is his last name, so Sam or Stan Rothstein, uh, and establishing that uh, these two boys did not commit this crime, and to kind of understand how they've gotten uh, pegged with it, how, how is it that they're being accused of the crime that we as the audience um, are pretty sure they didn't commit, while well, we've, we've been following the characters while they're in the store, and we never saw this happen, And but then why do the police, the judge, the prosecuting attorney, why are they so convinced it's these guys and how is uh, Vince going to find exonerating evidence to uh, get them off the hook? So here's here's why I love this movie so much. One, Vince Gambini is played by Joe Pesci, uh, who is flawless in this role. He's got a, a nice, thick New York accent. He's, you know, a New York Italian accent. And although the character kind of has that sort of typical New York uh, tough guy exterior, there's a lot of scenes where you see him 
uh, in, a, in a vulnerable moment where he's, you know, sitting in the hotel room in his underwear, reading through all the evidence in the file, trying to get to the bottom of this case. He really is trying hard. He's he's not as uh, he's, not, he's not a skilled attorney. He's not an experienced attorney. But he's you know he knows he knows he has a big job to do. He's trying his best to do it. Uh, he's he's in over his head, and he's a fish out of water. I mean, there's nothing about the situation that is comfortable or easy for him. Uh, he's, he, he makes the judge mad early on. Uh, he gets thrown in jail a couple times. And the movie does a nice job of both showing his sort of uh, toughness, mental fortitude, and, and work ethic, while also showing his concern, his worry, his vulnerable side. And you don't usually get that much depth uh, in a character that is in what's basically a, a a really kind of silly comedy movie that cares a lot about its characters and, and, and wants you to care about them too. And the characters are not just pawns to be moved around on a on a plot chessboard or a storyboard to generate some, some cheap, easy laughs. On that note, the second thing I love about this film is related to the first. It's not just Vince that is sort of painted with this very loving brush. All of the characters in the movie are. It would be very easy in a film like this to just make fun of the South endlessly, to make fun of Alabama, make fun of small-town life, make fun of the people that, that live there. And although there is some poking fun at um, you know, elements of Southern culture and Southern life, it is all done very uh, empathetically and uh, lovingly. It's, it's, it's the kind of movie that if you're from the South, you probably love this film, right? Because it talks about your culture, and it talks about uh, your way of life, and it kind of uh, makes a little bit of fun of it, but in a, in a way that's affectionate, uh, like it's a friend picking on you as opposed to somebody being cruel. And uh, one of my favorite scenes uh, along those lines uh, is a scene where Vince uh, LaGuardia and Mona Lisa go to a little breakfast bar to get something to eat. And the menu has three things on it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's it. And so they order breakfast, and the, the chef turns around and grabs a giant ladle full of lard and, and throws it on the griddle. It's it's so silly, but if, if you've ever had, like, good country cooking or, or southern food, I mean, that's how you make it, right? Lard and grease, that's where all the flavor comes from. And uh, and there's a whole runner about grits and what grits are uh, and, and who's going to eat them. They're taking pictures of the grits. And then it winds up actually being a plot point in trial, which is another thing I like about this. They introduce these elements and they pay them off, which is important to a, to a good movie construction. But anyway, my, my point with, with, with this aspect in particular is that even the characters in the movie that are sort of uh, caricatures of, of rural Southern living are, 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 are not, they're not mocked. They're not provided for our pity. They're not, they're not put into the film and written to be embarrassing. The writers of this film love all these characters and they want you to love them too. That to me is what makes a movie like this successful. The audience just has antipathy or, or, or enmity for the characters. It doesn't work very well uh, in a film like this where the dramatic tension comes from a situation. And, and this is going to get to another point, there's really no bad guy in this movie. Uh, and since there is no bad guy, you can make all the characters, even the prosecutor, the judge, who are the closest thing the film has to villains, you can make them all characters that you still kind of like, even though they're being mean to our protagonist. And I also think it's important to to deal with the setting in a respectful, dignified manner, because otherwise, for, well, there's, there's strategic reasons. One, you alienate half the audience, first of all, if you just come out swinging and taking cheap shots at the, you know, at the rural south. But it, it also, I think, if, if you're not familiar with um, the setting, there's a reason why so many movies are set in basically New York or L.A., about half the country is familiar with those two places. But most of the country is not familiar with life and culture in rural Alabama. So you need to teach the audience in a movie like this about these things, 
Uh, and with a fish out of water character, you can do that because we, if, if you don't, if you don't know about grits, you don't know about cooking with lard <laughs> in the South, then you're going to learn about it the same way that the protagonist does. And this is where the fish out of water character is helpful in writing a film like this, is because we, the audience, get to learn these things at the same time that the character does, which gives you an excuse for exposition and explanation about how you make grits. Um, and there's also a great line where uh, Vince is cross-examining a witness about how long something took. And the guy says, well, I just put my grits on the stove. And then, you know, they were, I was just, just sitting down to eat, and that's when I saw, uh, you know, the two boys run out of the store. Well, Vince already knows from talking to the clerk that it takes about ten minutes to boil grits, unless you're making instant grits. And he knows, as a, as a good southerner, there's no way this guy's making instant grits for himself. So he asks him, you know, those instant grits? And of course, the guy goes, no, 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 no self-respecting southerner is ever going to make instant grits. And so he knows it takes about 10 minutes, and he knows that, there were, that that's too long, that the boys are gone by then. So he's able to use the information he gets about how you make grits in the South. Uh, he's able to use that in cross-examination to help establish the time frame and, and to help uh, impeach this witness. So all these little plot elements telling you how to make grits, uh, uh, establishing the pride that, that, that a Southerner has in making good you know, homemade grits, all these things are, are woven seamlessly into the court tactics that Vince later uses to impeach these witnesses and to try to win the case. And those are, are little, little details that I think movies often miss. It's, it's a lot of work to kind of lay that groundwork uh, earlier in the plot and do it in a way that serves all these purposes. You know, in any movie, every scene should serve a purpose to move the plot forward and to give us information we need and nothing we don't. And those little pieces are all just woven together flawlessly, and I just love it. Third thing I love about this film, which I alluded to uh, earlier, there's no villain. Uh, it's, it's really hard to write a movie like this where there is no villain. Uh, all the characters are kind of in a situation. All of them have access to different information. None of them have access to all of the same information, and they're all missing a key piece of information. So we, the audience, know that the main characters are innocent, but we have these witnesses getting up on, in court and swearing under oath that they saw these two boys commit this crime. They saw them, you know, they heard the gunshot. Moments later, they saw them run out of the store, get into their car, and drive off. You know, we, we know it's not true, but the, the people that are getting up and testifying is just a whole range of random people, So, and none of them seem to be lying as you watch the film. There's no evidence that they don't believe what they're saying. The, the prosecutor certainly thinks he's got a strong case. The one piece of information we have as the audience that sort of helps us be assured that we're not being tricked by the, the, by the story, by the plot, by the framing, is that the prosecutor acknowledges that they don't have the murder weapon. They didn't find the gun in the car. But everything else, you know, two guys that matched the defendant's descriptions left the store after the gunshot was heard, got into a car, and drove off like crazy. There's skid marks showing where the car drove off. The car matches their description. It all, you know, is, is it really just as simple as it's a huge coincidence, two different guys, and Vince actually says this, uh, as part of the cross-examination, is it possible that two different guys who looked the same came into the store after uh, our characters, our protagonists did, shot the clerk, and then took off in a very similar-looking car? And you know, one of the one of the characters, this is actually is the prelude to the whole grits thing. Then one of the characters says, "No, there wasn't enough time for that all to happen." And that's when Vince establishes that well, there's more time passed than what you remember. So the plot framing is really a matter of. All the characters together, you know, some of them think they have the truth, 
Uh, that's the prosecutor, the police, and the witnesses. But they don't. And and the real the plot tension is Vince trying to figure out how to establish that there was actually an incredibly unlikely coincidence here. And regardless of how unlikely it was, that's what happened. These two boys didn't do this. And how can he prove that when what he really needs to have is the people who did do it. But since nobody knows who they are and nobody's looking for them, it's just up to Vince to find some evidence at the crime scene that could prove that it could not have been these two kids. So I really like that plot framing. I really like that, although the judge doesn't like Vince, he's kind of set up as the antagonist. The judge isn't a bad guy. He's not corrupt. The prosecutor's not a bad guy. He's not corrupt. You know, These are, are two people who are trying to do their jobs correctly, and although they, they don't, you know, the judge doesn't like Vince, uh, the prosecutor is sort of amused by him, but not really antagonistic to him. They're not bad people. And it goes back to my point about not trying to make the South out to be some small-town, corrupt, inept criminal justice system. They make a point to establish. The judge went to Harvard. Vince, who went to a small law school, less credentialed. So he's a little intimidated by this judge who is played by Fred Gwynn, by the way, Herman Munster. I think it was uh, Gwynn's last role before he died. But he plays the role seriously with gravitas. Vince is a little intimidated by the judge and his credentials, background, and experience. And there's a whole scene where the judge says, you know, don't don't think you're going to walk into my courtroom here in rural Alabama and just, and just walk all over us. We have every bit as sophisticated a system of justice as they do anywhere else. And, and they do, and, and the films play off that way. Uh, there's also a great scene with the prosecutor where Vince kind of sits down with him uh, and has sort of a, a you know, man-to-man moment where they just, you know, he says, boy, we got a hell of a case here. What, you know, what are we going to do? How do you feel about it? And the prosecutor kind of tells, uh, you know, says, you know, I feel good about it, like to have the murder weapon, but otherwise the evidence is all pretty much there. And they both kind of share their stories of how they got into law. And the prosecutor tells us he used to be a public defender and he was really good at it. And he got some guys off on some pretty serious charges and his conscience bothered him and he thought he'd be better, better off putting his talents to use a locking up bad guys. So we're, we're given all these reasons to understand that these characters are not bad people. They're not evil. They're not corrupt. Uh, they're not, they're not even just incompetent. They're good at their jobs. They're smart and capable. And so, and this all goes, all, all these elements weave together, uh, to, to one, not really have a villain. Uh, you have a situation everybody's working against, uh, together, although they don't really realize it. Uh, and it also goes back to my point about not painting, uh, you know, the rural South as some kind of, uh, lawlessness of wild land. So I, I really like those elements of the film as well. Uh, and that these characters are all given just a little bit more depth, again, than you usually get in a film like this. And that depth combined with uh, sort of the way that the plot is structured, the way that the conflict and tension is structured, is also really unusual in a film. Uh, but Vince eventually prevails, and at the end, the prosecutor comes up and shakes his hand, uh, says, great job. It's not even a situation where, I mean, and, so I'll, I'll spoil one thing. So if, if I'm going to give you one spoiler. So if you don't want the film spoiled in, in a small degree, pause it right here. But at the end of the, at the end of the film, uh, the prosecutor voluntarily withdraws the charges. Vince pokes such big holes in the case and the prosecutor knows that he's wrong. He just stands up and says, you know, the state, the state withdraws all charges and that's how the case is won. There's not some big jury moment. Once the prosecutor knows that he's wrong, he just stands up and says we're wrong. And, you just don't get that kind of humility anymore. In a, in a typical movie, the the plot would be framed so that the prosecutor is a real jerk. We're, we're made to absolutely hate him. And then even though he's wrong, he sticks to, you know, he's stubborn and belligerent, mean to Vince, and then forces it to go to a jury. And then we get a moment where the jury rules in Vince's favor, and the prosecutor's there looking angry and mad they didn't get a jury verdict, even though he knows he shouldn't get one. None of that kind of stuff happens here. That's an easy way to toy with your emotions. 
and to frame the conflict in a way that it makes it cheap and simple for the writers to to get you emotionally invested. This film takes a more circuitous and difficult route of, of not setting up the prosecutor as somebody that you dislike. And so when the prosecutor stands up and dismisses the charges, he does it with a smile on his face uh, because justice is done. His job is to lock up the guilty. He says that earlier. He goes on about how important it is to him to put bad guys away. And he was a public defender, so he's also sensitive to the rights of the innocent. All, all these elements are kind of laid out for you in advance. So when he stands up and says, we withdraw all the charges... Uh, you're not surprised. It's consistent with his character. Uh, he does it with a smile, and his ego's not at stake. He hasn't failed at his job. His job is, to, is justice, and justice has been done. Innocent have been set free. It's how a system's supposed to work. You almost never get that kind of depth or nuance uh, in, in a movie. I just love that element. And then at the end, the judge comes up and shakes, you know, sh shakes Vince's hand and says, "Well done. You're a hell of a prosecutor, a uh, hell of a litigator." And you know, at the, the last scene is all the characters gathered on the courthouse steps, uh, you know, waving goodbye to each other. And nobody's antagonistic. Vince has won them all over the same way he wins us over as the audience. And we walk away from the movie feeling great. It must be hard to write a movie like that because they are so rare. And, and then the last thing I want to mention about why I love this movie and why it's realistic, I, it's very rare that legal dramas really focus on the discovery process. And honestly, uh, typically in law school, you don't cover that much either. That's something you really learn more on the job in law. And I, uh, I think it's probably because filmmakers assume discovery is boring. You know, discovery is the process in a court case of, of the lawyers gathering documents, reviewing them, uh, interviewing witnesses, maybe conducting depositions, and making sure that you understand what the facts are of the case, and then you later figure out how you're going to frame the case uh, to, to win based on the facts that you've got. That's all sort of the, the grunt work of a lawsuit, and really it's about I didn't, anywhere from a third to a half, maybe more, of the, of the cost that you incur over the course of a case. So they don't focus on that much. Even in law school, they don't focus on that part much in, in film because, I mean, how do you make it exciting to show a lawyer spending four or five days reading through thousands of pages of documents and trying to find relevant information? And they, they don't do that here, but they do show Vince going to the homes of the witnesses, taking pictures. All of these, these different things I've discussed kind of weave together really flawlessly into a screenplay that I actually think is really funny. I know it's kind of a, a you know, a broad comedy. There's some physical slapstick stuff, but uh, it's it's got a lot of great one-liners. If you just want something that's lightweight, good, uh, and has some some legal drama without being you know pretentious and overly dramatic, it's it's just a an almost flawless legal comedy film. And there aren't a lot of legal comedy movies if you think about it. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to have a a comedy movie about a capital murder trial and the death penalty hangs in the balance. That's a, that's a tough tone to strike. Anyway, that's it. Probably that's way more than I intended to say. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's a great film and uh, it's my all-time favorite legal film uh, for all the reasons I just gave. All right, that's all for this time. We'll see you next time. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri. 